fuck. <laughs> I'm glad that wasn't on the podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate. Relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. The idea of disciplining a Catholic schoolgirl for having erotic thoughts might sound like the start of a really bad porno, but I think I think this idea is so cliche because it actually happens. So what does it look like to try to repair not having your boundaries or even your sexuality respected? Soul searching feels fitting to me, but I'm not sure it's the term Alex would use. Still, let's hear from them and what it was like to look for boundaries, to quit super challenging dance school and start life all over again, rediscovering who you are for a first time, for a second time. I find human beings fascinating. So being a person who doesn't understand human beings very well, like I honestly think I'm probably neurotypical. Like they're just, I just think human beings quote unquote should behave a certain way. And then they just surprise me almost every time. Less so these days. I work really hard on socializing myself. Mm. Um, but less so these days. So for me, it's like, well, why don't I just make a space where human beings come and tell me what it is to live their lives, and then maybe I'll get better at being or at pretending to be a human being myself, like in some respects. Um, so that's been my experience as like an ADHD, neuroatypical, major depressive disorder person. So yeah, that is that is the thing. That is my jam, which is why I made this space. And now we get to talk about you. I feel like that would be like a good like drag king name, major depressive. <laughs> major depressive would yeah, be a great. Yeah, like, you're like a major of like some. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, major depressive. Yeah. Yes, and then you could you could literally like have the sound clip in with like the what is your major malfunction from heavy metal from Full Metal Jacket, Full Metal Jacket. That's I think that's what it is. Uh, it's a movie where a sergeant like yells. At a, at a person, but it's filmed as if they're yelling at the camera. Um, oh. So you could you could throw that in as a soundbite and start a burlesque routine. And here I am designing burlesque routines for drag kings <laughs> when right. I'm definitely not a drag king. It's good. <laughs> Gender nonconforming for sure, but I'm also just like, I'm in pandemic mode right now. So you know what? Why don't we start the session? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Alex, I will look up, Owens, um, who is... An OnlyFans content creator, you can find... Do you use she, her, or they, them? They, them. They, them. You can find their content at OnlyFans.com forward slash HeyAlexOwens VIP. And look at them in various scantily clad positions, naked, and probably doing sexy things. Do you do sex things on your OnlyFans as well? Yeah. Awesome. You can find them doing sexy things. And... I would say you probably should, um, but <laughs> you know, if you're into if you're into that kind of thing, if, <laughs> yes, 
if, if if you want to see an AFAB human do sexy things for money for you on your computer, you should definitely go there. Yes. Is that, is that like, is that enough caveats? Perfect. Like, it was like, perfect. Wonderful. Um, they are also part of a burlesque movement in the city called Bad Company doing shows and also a BIPOC burlesque slash variety collective called Diasporic Dynasty, which is going to be putting on shows every two months. So you can Google those, check those out in the city. Um, and your burlesque name is Lena Emerald. Is that right? Yes. My organization scheme is like try and clutch onto a whole bunch of things that I'm carrying in my arms as tightly as possible until eventually one of them slips and I kind of like bring my arms together and they just explode in every direction and it's like a yard sale um I love that that is that is my organization scheme right now so I'm working on doing all these adaptation things like putting everything I need within reach of everything else I need to do the thing so it's like Mm -hmm. what's that called point of performance I think it's called So the point where you're going to do a thing, you like put all the things you need right around it. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's been making a difference in my life. I'm more likely to do a thing. And then I'm also trying to, I'm trying to like join tasks together so that like drinking a coffee, like making a coffee for myself, isn't just making a coffee. It's making a coffee and cleaning up after that, before I drink the coffee. Mm -hmm. And as long as I like make sure to set everything back up for point of performance after I use it. Mm. I don't find myself in a position where I'm like, oh, I really want to like make myself food, but I have to clean the kitchen first. It's like, well, no, I clean it before I eat the food. And that's like difficult, but it's doable. Whereas like, if I don't do that, it's just impossible to make food. Yes. Yes. So that's been a moment of growth for me. I'm getting better support on YouTube than I have gotten through any paid healthcare system ever for ADHD (laughs) with the sole exception that YouTube can't prescribe me drugs and the healthcare system's actually pretty good at that. And I honestly believe I need drugs for ADHD. I don't think I'm functional enough without them. So yeah. Hooray. Anyways, I didn't mean to (laughs) to talk a lot about me, but that's what happened. So, um, YouTube is a wonderful, vast place. Yeah, there's a lot you can find out on it for sure, including if you need support for having a super sexually repressive childhood. Segway time. And now (laughs) I wonder what I would search up for that. Right. Like and, and would it be helpful? Like if you searched like like Catholic sex how much of that would be like your results have been filtered because they're all porn? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that like there are, there must be people that have had like similar experiences talking about it, but I'm guessing it might be like part of like their vlog channel or something like that. That's like not easily found. You would have to literally know the words. Yeah. You would have to know the words. So you'd have to be able to Google, Google like destigmatize Catholic sex or something because like that's, that's, that's that's not going to be porn. I just searched it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally like psychology today, overcoming religious sexual shame, Reddit, Christians as a whole need to destigmatize sex, (laughs) salon.com. Oh, that starts getting into all the sexual abuse stuff. So your first two search results will be gold. Okay, awesome. And, and then it will just get very depressing to be a Catholic after that. So good luck yeah. with your first two search results to those listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, you had a story about oh, yeah, Catholic sexual shame. Okay, well, um, 
I, yes, was very shamed um, from my mother about like anything to do with sexuality, which I think made me more curious about that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and I feel like I was naturally, like my natural disposition was of like curiosity towards sexuality. Um, and I have a funny story of where I did do something that was inappropriate, <laughs> but I was doing it out of the goodness of my heart. And I was just a <laughs> tremendously misunderstood child. <laughs> So amazing, um, amazing. <laughs> in grade three, I had a wonderful teacher who was really great and who had a very handsome husband as well, who I had a crush on. <laughs> as one does in grade three. <laughs> yes. So I was also like very into like creative writing and like journaling and stuff like that. So I decided to make a fan fiction about my teacher and her husband. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yep. And I would like stay in from like recess to like write it on like the school computer. <laughs> on the school <laughs> computer? Yeah. And then like, I gave it to her. I was like, and I just, I was just like such a fan. I was like, you guys are so great. And I'm like, I wrote you this. And I think the content of it was like something about like something on the beach, like the sunset. It was very romantic, but not appropriate. <laughs> Which I, didn't, I didn't know, you know? Um, and so I gave it to her and she read it and she was not pleased. And she <laughs> called my mother, which was not a good thing to do, but I understand why, you know, a teacher would do yep. that. Understand. That's what you do. Um, and this is the, like the not so fun part of the story, but yeah, of course I was like severely like punished and like yelled at, like, you know, disproportionately, um, I feel like my mother took on a lot of that and thought that it reflected onto her. Like, you know, it's always coming back to her own, like rep repressed, like trauma and stuff like that, I think, you know? So, yeah. And yeah. And it was like, she made me like kneel down and like pray and like beg for forgiveness. And of like, course. yeah, I just have like this memory of her, like, forcing me like down onto my knees and being like ask for forgiveness <laughs> stuff like that so yeah that's my story <laughs> that's you're like that's my casual story of child abuse yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah. sucks i'm so sorry to hear that yeah. that sounds like it was really emotionally impactful and super shitty especially seeing as you have that like vivid moment in your memory today yeah totally and yeah, it was just, it was very confusing because it was just like, it came out of like, just like the goodness of my heart. I mean, I crafted this thing and no, it wasn't appropriate, but I mean, neither was my punishment. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you had a kid that did that kind of thing today, like the way that you would sort of approach it would be so different. Oh, yeah. Like, here's this thing you did and here's why it's not appropriate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, he is dreamy and like you should write those things on your personal computer and never show them to anybody until you're over 18. (laughs) Now, now I know. (laughs) Now I know. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. these are just, like, small things that kids need to learn when they're, like, in totally. that, like... Because, like, it's not like there's this linear progression where, like, you are a child and then, like, you hit a certain age and suddenly you're fully developed sexually. Like, there's mm-hmm. this liminal space that all humans go through, or at least most humans go through, where it's not so clearly delineated. And you kind of have, like, oh, some sexual frozen. thoughts. Oh, am I? Oh, that's okay, unfortunate. Okay, you just unfroze. Wonderful. Can you still okay, hear now me? you're good. You're fine. Okay. I can hear you now. What did you just say? Oh, um, I was saying it's not like it's a linear progression um, from oh, yeah, point yeah. one, from point A to point B. So basically I was saying that children have this liminal space where like they go from like being children to something else. And then at some point they become, you know, like teenagers essentially or even adults like we kind of talk about people being teenagers as being that liminal space between childhood and adulthood but like it's so much more complicated than that now like kids start developing the odd romantic thoughts and intimate Mm -hmm. thoughts that maybe aren't sexual i think honestly before they hit their before they fully hit sexual puberty um for me Mm -hmm. personally like i had full sexual thoughts when i was like 11 years old and like it would not have been appropriate for me to explore them with pretty much anybody because i was way too young but like by the time i turned into a teenager like it wasn't like i was just starting to have sexual thoughts Mm -hmm. so i feel like waiting until someone's a teenager is too late already to talk to them about that stuff because they've already been having those thoughts and dealing with shame or like trying to come to their own conclusions from like years before yeah so yeah so what you were saying about like my punishment was super not appropriate. I'm like, yeah, it really wasn't like you were just in that liminal space of like trying to figure out and find yourself. And like, instead of having helpful guidance, like you got this like really intense, like shame and punishment and like, yeah, yeah, that, that blows is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It did. <laughs> so that was your Catholic school girl story. You're like, it's really sexy yeah. and fantasy, but in practice, there's a lot more shame. yeah yeah so cool so you mentioned when talking about that earlier that there is this like anger and like frustration even just about that you started essentially finding yourself at like 18 and like how much further ahead would you have been if you hadn't had to wait until 18 to essentially like start trying to discover yourself sexually yeah i feel like yeah i mean it wasn't just like sexuality it's kind of like also learning about boundaries you know like having your boundaries never respected i can i can say never respected yeah like growing up like it's like you i i'm an adult now and like you know i have been for like a while but i feel like oh like i'm just starting to really dive into like, what is a boundary? Like, how, how do I, um, uh, uh, learn how to, um, notice them and communicate them and like stuff like 
that and like learning that it's okay to have them. Um, <laughs> um, it's just like, yeah, it, it makes me angry that like, just, I, I wish I could have started this work like a long time ago. Oh, and yeah. I wish that um, I had parents that were emotionally available that, you know, maybe could have talked through like learning that stuff with me, like at a young age. And then I would have had years and years of practice and like learning about that. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to just love, you know, where I am now, but it's hard when I feel like it's really holding me back from my potential. Definitely. Like, All yeah. valid feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you quit <laughs> contemporary dance recently. Yes, I did. Um, I was supposed to be in a four year long program, um, but it ended up being three. Um, yeah, so I, after I found burlesque, um, when I was maybe like 19 or so, I started taking more dance classes and I felt like I needed to complete some sort of like program, you know, like to be like an official human trademark. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, oh, I want to dance. Like, that'd be awesome. And so, you know, I've been taking like some contemporary dance classes. And so I auditioned for, well, actually I didn't even mean to audition. Really. I took a, intensive with um the program that I did and one of the directors was like hey are you auditioning and I'm like oh I wasn't planning to and he's like well you should just like try and I'm like okay so I did and I was terrible like I was just like not on the same level as like everyone else everyone was just like amazing like very oh, technical no. trained dancers I'm just like flailing and just like dying. And I'm like, oh man, well, you know, it was a good experience. And I just accepted that I wouldn't get into the program. I'm like, there's no way it's fine. You know? Right. Um, and I got in like surprisingly, I was like, what really? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I just like went head first into this super like physically and like mentally intense, uh, full-time contemporary training program for like people who are really serious about like a contemporary career. And I was kind of like, what is contemporary? <laughs> so, you know, I learned what contemporary was and I did it. Um, and it was very hard for me. Like, I think mm -hmm. in every sense of the word, it was like the hardest the first year of that program was probably the hardest thing I have ever done in my whole life. Wow. Like, yeah, it was, I battled some demons in those classes. Let me tell ya. it. It's really hard. Like, like on your 
mental state to like keep a positive attitude when everything is so hard and everyone else is like so good <laughs> um but I think that was like it was really hard but it was really good for me it was like learning to deal with your negative attitude boot camp <laughs> um and just like learning how to learn I guess mm-hmm. so yeah um it was really beneficial to me but that level of intensity without like that much fundamental dance training going into it uh, was and like the compounding of it started to get harder and harder on my body and I like had to deal with like a few injuries and then like stuff was coming up and like at the end of this year I had like knee problems and I I feel really strongly that uh my career is going to be very physical in whatever way that ends up being so it's really important to me to not like badly injure myself if I can help it like you know really badly Mm -hmm. um and I saw that as a big possibility with like all the things that were like giving out in my body already like another year of that like it's like I'm I am gonna injure myself like really badly probably Mm -hmm. um and so yeah I had like chat with the directors and it was like is this like it doesn't really like another year like do I really need another year with like my personal goals like my personal goal is not to really like join a big contemporary dance company and like dance in a company um and which is a goal of like lots of the people in the program so the program is kind of tailored to that so it just didn't make sense anymore and I really 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 tried to convince myself that it did make sense and I wanted to do it because in a way like that would be the easier thing to do is just finish the program you know just like one more year like I wouldn't have to explain to anybody why I quit dance school um um, but I cried a lot and I like had a breakdown like you know I just I want to live my life authentically and I'm gonna do the scary thing and like do what I actually want to do so I quit Mm -hmm. awesome yeah that sounds very difficult it was yeah and when I quit I was honestly kind of like expecting the worst reaction from the people around me like I was really dreading like telling my dad about it because you know he's kind of a traditional guy and I didn't want to disappoint him and I mean how do you really like just like explain like that you're quitting school to a parent you know it's really hard when they're like you know they want that for you um but he surprisingly was very uh um understanding and he kind of just listened he's like you know if this, if you feel like this is the right thing to do, you should do it. You know, like, I want you to be happy. And I was like, wow, I was not expecting that. You're like, who are you? And what have you done with my father? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. And honestly, like everyone around me was so excited for me. They're like, you quit school. That is awesome. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I feel really lucky that way. For sure. It sounds like you did something really hard and that people were really supportive of you for doing that, which is amazing because it sounds like dance was like your entire life for those three years. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it still will be like a big part of my life. Um, but I think at the heart of me, I am an artist that can create with like any, anything, you know, I mm -hmm. am an artist, but I'm not, I'm not tied to any particular Medium. discipline. Yeah. I do have more skill and like desire in particular ones, particularly like performance based ones. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I do have a lot of other interests as well. Like not just dance. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you have any closing thoughts sort of about that? And then we can always launch into um, finding a solid direction and like talking more about stripping and sex work and burlesque um, potentially on the next one. It is fascinating the lengths our brains will go to convince us of stuff. <laughs> I don't know what I was going with. To like convince you that your intuition is not correct. Right. Like how we'll rationalize decisions we've made, even when it becomes apparent those decisions no longer serve us. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being in another session of Intimate Interactions, Alex. Thank you. Always a pleasure. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor, or tweet me at Intimate Victor, or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>